Welcome back to our 14th episode. This is the last episode in season one of Pool Talk, where we have spoken to guests from across the pool industry, including schools, spas, holiday parks, and more. Our next season will include more insightful discussions with experts in water treatment, salt regeneration, regenerative filters, and many more, so watch this space. Now, to introduce a man who needs no introduction, he is my co-presenter on this podcast and a good friend. He is the Managing Director of the Physical Activity and Leisure Management Academy, which prides itself on its high-quality training courses in pool plant operation. That is in no small part down to Mike himself, who cares deeply about the industry that we are all a part of and works tirelessly to make it a safer, more fun industry to work in. He is a member of the Pool Water Treatment Advisory Group's Council and has more than 50 years' experience in the wet leisure industry. If Mike doesn't know something about the operation of swimming pools in the UK, then it's not worth knowing. So without further ado, I give you Mike Schuff. Hi Mike, how are you? I'm fine, Rebecca. I hope you're well as well. Yes, I'm good. So today we're going to be talking about qualifications and a bit more about training. We all know that training is important, but can you explain why qualifications are so important? Yeah, well, first of all, training is obviously a legal requirement under the Management of Health and Safety at Work Act. But holding a specific qualification uh, isn't a legal requirement. Training has to meet the industry standards, the industry's guidance. And there's plenty of places, plenty of organizations and training providers that people can go to to get a qualification. The issue there is all that training must meet the industry's recommendations, standards, guidance, etc. So why is the qualification so important? Well, there's a number of reasons, I think. A lot of employers and clients require a qualification, the shiny certificate, to show that training has been given and that a certain level of knowledge has been demonstrated as well. A second reason is that people like to have qualifications to put on their CVs. Now, the CV, as, as we know, is crucial to somebody's career progression. Yeah. And having a qualification on that CV uh, is pretty important. A third reason, perhaps, is that so many qualifications these days are transferable. Now, that means that when a, if, a, if a person leaves his or her current employment, that qualification goes with them. So they can take that qualification to their next employer. Yeah. And in fact, there's a lot of employers will require certain qualifications um, to be brought with them. And I think possibly as important as all the others, qualifications can act as an incentive to others. If you are, if you are looking to uh, enhance your progression, and you are in combination with one of your colleagues who's also looking to, to move upwards, you are both going uh, for the same job. One of the issues that the employer will look at is, well, who's actually demonstrated their ability, their knowledge? In other words, who's got the qualification? So the qualification can be an incentive to other people in their bid to move onwards. That's, yeah. why, that's, why, that's why I see qualifications are important. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I've always thought of it that um, training and being able to then apply what you've learned on a training course and then for becoming competent at your job is more important than qualification. But actually what you're saying is because someone's been on a training course, they've got the shiny certificate that the actual 
piece of paper that they've got in their hand says, okay, look, I am, this demonstrates that I am competent at my job and you can take it forward to other jobs. I think we can set up a whole series of podcasts, Rebecca, just talking about uh, the difference between qualification and competence. Mm. If somebody goes on a training course, whether it's for one day, one week, one month, they are gaining a lot of theoretical knowledge. They're also being able to apply that in a training situation in terms of practical work, the element of practical work. It does not make them competent. Competence comes when you get back to work and put that knowledge that you've gained into practice. Actually, what it needs to be is a triangle that you've got training on one point, competence on another point, which comes from practice and doing the job and, and, and learning as you go, and also the qualification. And all three I, make someone... I think that's the perfect analogy, the triangle. Obviously, competence is down to the, the remit of the employer, you know, to provide the, the candidate the opportunity to put them into practice. For, for instance, you could have uh, a person who's been doing the job in inverted commas for 20 years and there's nothing you can tell her or him about the job. And very often that's right, but they don't have a, a shiny certificate to show that they've been trained. Although they've been doing the job for 20 years, who's to say that they've actually been following the industry and some of the legal guidance that's required? The qualification, as long as it meets the industry's guidance, will show that not only have they attended a training course, but they've attended a training course that covers the legal and the industry's guidance. Mm, that's interesting. So in terms of the technical operation of a pool, is there just one qualification that everyone follows? The pool plant operator is different? No, no, no. This, this is the whole point, isn't it? In this day and age, uh, you can't have one qualification that, that fits all. At the Palm Academy, we have a number of qualifications. Why do we have that? Well, very much, very often an employer will say, um, can you do, can you run that qualification course, that training course at our place? Because we want our people to get used to our system. Okay. Well, we can, we can do that. We can do that. But that can restrict, say, the numbers on, on, on a course down to very low numbers. Not a problem. We can do it. If though you have uh, people on a training course from all different uh, facilities, then you've got to cover a lot of other aspects. What you don't want is somebody finishing a course saying, well, yeah, it was all very well, but didn't cover anything that we got at our place. So, so what was the point? Now, there's that aspect. And there's also the aspect of people's demands and requirements. An employer may want somebody, for instance, just to be able to carry out a set of water tests competently and to understand what the readings mean. On the other hand, you might have somebody that works in, in a spa resort and only has a spa pool or, or whirlpools to manage, okay, where chemical levels will be slightly different. Just to give you some idea, within the Palm Academy, we've got water testing workshops. We have small pool operator certificates. And that's, those are followed very often by, by schools, operators of outdoor pools, small hotels, etc. We've got the flagship qualification, which is the Stream Pool Technical Operator Certificate. And we have uh, what's called an information update seminar. Now, that is delivered every three years just to keep people's knowledge up to date. And then we get into some of the very, very specific qualifications, hydrotherapy pool operators, hot tub operators, 
spa pool operators, spa resort. We've even got a canine therapy pool operator um, certificate. How can we make sure that all these meet the needs? Well, every one of those, every one of those is based upon the PewTag recommendations and the PewTag SPTO syllabus. Just and we for then... our listeners who don't know who PewTag is, can you explain? PewTag is the... Uh, PewTag stands for the Pool Water Treatment Advisory Group, and they are recognised by the Health and Safety Executive as the technical, offering the technical expertise in the operation of pools throughout the UK. They, they have a syllabus that accredited trainers have to comply with. That doesn't mean to say, though, that other operators don't follow the same guidance. Uh, it's just that they're not accredited by, by PewTag. So all training is based upon the one single syllabus. And then we just extrapolate the information which is specific to those uh, very specialised areas. Which makes complete sense when you think about it. I mean, if you take all of the standards, they cover a traditional pool. And by traditional, I mean, most of the time you think thinking about a 50 metre training pool, for example. But actually, nearly every pool in the UK is completely bespoke. All pools are nearly completely bespoke animals. So each of them has their own sets of rules, their own guidance, etc. So when you're in front of a group of delegates who are learning about their pool in particular, you need to be able to give them um, a range of knowledge of across the industry, but they need to be able to then take that and apply it to their pool that they're looking after, be it a spa pool or a hydrotherapy pool, for example. Exactly. And it's, it's this whole thing about specialising, isn't it? It's not a case of making things different. It's taking the, the information and applying it to, to people's specific facility. The idea of all pools being the same, you know, I understand what you're saying there. Typically, we tend to think of uh, a swimming pool as 25 metre, either four or six lane, deck level circulation. But there's an awful lot of people who operate pools that are not 25 metre, six lane, deck level. Mm, correct. Uh, yeah. How <clears throat> long do these qualifications last for? Another great question, uh, Rebecca. Really Thank great you. question. Our view is, our view, and um, I might be in a minority, but our view is the qualification lasts forever, but the knowledge doesn't last forever. That's a really and, interesting distinction. Yeah. Uh, for instance, if you go to university and take a degree, you don't have to go back to university and retake your degree every couple of years. Thank You've God. got that degree. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, tell me. But if, if you're using that degree as part of your employment, then you need to keep that information up to date. So we follow the PewTag guidance that says the information should be updated every three years. Okay. We have electronic registers so employers can, can find out if they're, um, what qualification their, their employees have. Many organizations have that. Now, in some organizations, at the end of their three-year period, their name is removed from that register, but that's just removing it from a register. It doesn't, it doesn't remove the, the qualification. Now, an important point there, we do have to think a lot of the time by starting a presentation with two words, and that is what if. You know, what if something goes wrong? What if the unthinkable happens? What if I end up in a court? You know, what protection do I have? Well, just imagine... If uh, somebody was being investigated, hopefully not in court, but in, but investigated, and they said, well, uh, can we see your qualification for doing this job, please? And they get out their certificate, and the certificate has got a date on it, which is 20 years ago. The, the view, and, and there, was no other, there was no other information 
to support any sort of um, upgrading of knowledge within that 20 years. Obviously, the investigator's view would be, well, is this person really up to date with the changes that have happened, etc., in those 20 years? So it is a case of updating people's knowledge, not taking a new qualification. And that's, yeah, I mean, the, the distinction there is actually that, I mean, just thinking about the last year, for example, um, 2020, if someone had been on a course three years ago, then they'll have the, and they'll, you know, and they're practicing, they're getting competent at their job because they're doing it every day, et cetera, et cetera. But actually having an update seminar this year or last year means that they'll be updating their knowledge on current, current affairs, for example, mm. because the, we know that the pH levels and the chlorine levels have been changed in line with what's happening at the moment, the pandemic. So if someone's not necessarily looking at all of the guidance all the time, they might not know that those things have been updated unless they go on an update seminar to refresh their knowledge. An update seminar is a, is a, is a great way of updating their, their knowledge. Uh, it can be done otherwise. It can be done on a face-to-face basis. It can be done electronically, as so much work is being done at the moment. It can be done by attending seminars, if ever we get seminars again, conferences. I think all, most of our listeners are aware that a lot of conferences in 2021 are going to be virtual conferences. But all that information can be gained from any number of, of websites, the Pewtag one, www.pwtag.org, Palm Academy, www.palmacademy.co.uk. All these are all these are, are available. But yeah, it is a case of not so much how long does the qualification last, but how long can you go without updating that knowledge? Mm. So we call it the the pool industries CPD. We couldn't go through a podcast, could we, without mentioning CPD? Yeah, we've done very well so far. Yeah. Yes, but, but the update seminar is just that. It is a CPD opportunity. So how can people, and especially employers, access these qualifications? Well, again, as I said, uh, there's any number of websites. You, you know, if you, if you want to go to a training provider that's accredited by PewTag, you just go to the PewTag website and there'll be a list of them on there. Other training providers have their own websites. And we work closely with them. The accredited trainers have just gone through a system that's accredited by PewTag. That doesn't mean to say that all other providers don't train to the same PewTag recommendations. It just means that they haven't been, been accredited. Most employers these days will Google or, or search uh, for um, training qualifications. Most of the bigger employers are aware of them and they tend to come back to their own tame trainer as well. Um, If if a trainer has done a a piece of good work once, the employer will come back to them again rather than having to trawl around. Which is great. Which is as it should be. The training provider then, or the actual individual trainer of that training provider, the the trainer then takes on the role of being more like an advisor than a trainer. That employer will will, will come back all the time and say, hey, listen, we've got a bit of a problem here. You know, can you help us out? Yeah, i.e. something's gone wrong. We don't really know what to do. What do you suggest? Yeah. Mm. Or can you suggest anybody that we go to? Something like that. It means that as trainers, we have to be continually professionally developing our brains all the time. Have you got a script in front of you there reading that? (laughs) No, that came off the top of my hairnet. Well, it's it's, no, seriously, it is quite true, isn't it? Yeah. 
you know, the, the trainer has got to be one step ahead of the game all the time to be able to answer the question that's not in a, in a training manual. Yeah, exactly. And there are a lot of those. Oh, yes. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Um, is there anything you want to add? No, I, I just think, you know, sort of as we come out of this pandemic, you know, as we work through 2021, we know, unfortunately, unfortunately, that so many staff have been lost, made redundant, jobs have changed. And as the industry gets back onto its feet, there'll be a lot of employers which will have to start building their, their workforce up again. So many of them have cut down to, should we say, almost like a skeleton staff. Yeah, the bare minimum. Yeah, and they'll be hopefully re-employing good staff or, if necessary, employing new staff altogether. And the retraining of those staff is going to become critical. Jobs will change. Okay. My own view is that employers will be looking for all their staff to be even more jack of all trades than they are now. The pool plan operator's qualification now is synonymous with any job that requires any form of duty management uh, involvement. If you're going to be holding the keys for a place, whether it's a large place, whether it's one of the huge places, whether it's a small place or whatever, if you're holding the keys last thing at night, the employer is looking for you to have some form a pool plant operator qualification from any of the uh, training providers. I think that's going to I think that's going to extend. So you'll have people that maybe do not come into the industry wanting to be a pool plant operator having to take on that role as well because they'll they'll be looking to them to be duty manager or whatever their terminology is. Mm. So I think I think you know towards the middle the end of 2021 I think there could be you know quite an increase in the demand for uh, pool plant operator training. Which is a good thing for everyone. Especially if we get the chance to make sure that everybody is brought up to date with the changes. You you mentioned a couple of changes about free chlorine pH. Personally, I hope that some of those changes will become permanent. Some of them may be just temporary. But um, yeah, things like low pH is, is going to be a permanent feature, I'm sure of that. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Mike. Pleasure to talk to you as ever, Rebecca. Pleasure to talk to you. We would love to hear from you, so if you have a question about today's episode, then please contact us on our Facebook page or via email, pooltalkuk at outlook.com. Pool Talk is released every Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Thanks for listening.